34, the text is Revelation chapter 7, the, the food, verse 14. I want you to listen, though, because I'm going to get into chapter 8, just a few verses, that will help us better understand the context um, our message today. So this is Revelation chapter 8, uh, verses 1 uh, through 5. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people and the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashings of lightning, and an earthquake. Now, I mentioned before that in this Jesus Son of God series, we're really right at the end. Three and a half year ministry, the third year, year of rejection. An upside was that Jesus was able to spend more time with his disciples that they needed that, that preparation. Um, we look at the year of rejection, you can imagine having hundreds of thousands of followers, and, and they all walk away from you. They truly reject you. If you've ever been rejected, I've said this before, you have a friend in Jesus, he knows what rejection is all about. But then, almost miraculously, the Sunday before his death, we have this beautiful event called Palm <coughs> Jesus, outside of Jerusalem, Bethpage, close to the Mount of Olives. And there's, there's, a, there's a road, there's a path. And it, it winds down. Uh, there are these really sharp uh, turns, because it goes down, and then it goes back up the other side, down the Kindred Bell, and back up. And then you go through a gate, and you're into uh, Jerusalem. And on that very special day, a very spontaneous thing happened. With large crowds, and they're in Jerusalem for the Passover. More likely, the crowds that were there were there for the entire week. I don't know why you would go to Jerusalem the first day of the week and not stay for, for the entire Passover. They're there. Jesus and his disciples are there. And Jesus tells his disciples, you know, go ahead of you, and there's a guy and a donkey and a colt, I'm bringing here. And then a very beautiful thing happens. Jesus gets on the colt of the donkey. Disciples put their, their coats on top of that, he sits on that. And then spontaneously, people are taking off their cloaks, they're cutting down more likely palm branches, and they're, they're putting them in front of Jesus as they slowly and peacefully rise on that fold of the donkey, down that path, and then up the other side. And as he's riding the donkey, uh, there are crowds of people, and they're joining in Psalms of David, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna. And we know that of those that were there, children were also singing these praises. And, and we have a glimpse of the honor and the glory of Jesus. That scene is a preview of coming attractions. And I believe, based on God's word, that we're going to experience something very similar to that when Judgment Day is over. Now, we 
look at the original Palm Sunday, there were three groups of people represented. And I want you to picture yourself in the crowd. And again, only one of three groups. Uh, the first group would be the followers of Jesus. Uh, this, of course, would include the 11. I'm not going to include Thomas, uh, Judas anymore. Judas, uh, in his mind, has, has already planned to, you know, to despise Jesus, reject him. But the 11 were faithful followers. There were other faithful followers, though. We know that in Jerusalem alone, there are about 120 faithful followers of Jesus. Perhaps some of them were there that day. Um, and, and, and these are people that, again, that devoted to Jesus. They didn't quite understand the, the, the crucifixion thing yet. But they're following Jesus. Um, there then were the fair weather followers. And I think most of us here know fair weather, what, what that means. Perhaps in the, the, the but uh, if I'm a fair weather diamondback fan, which I am, it means that if they're winning, I'll probably go to some games, right? I'm a fan, but if they're not winning, I'm not there. So there were fair weather followers of Jesus that day. Um, and I think most of those that were there fall in this category. Fair weather, because that day they're offering palm branches to Jesus, they're honoring him. They're there for the whole week. We know that by the end of the week, that Jesus' enemies were able to stir up the crowds, probably the same people, and they would uh, be changing what they said about Jesus. From blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to crucify him. Crucify him. Then the third group represented were the enemies of Jesus. Um, not that, that Jesus considered them enemy, but they consider Jesus the enemy. And the irony is, these were the religious leaders, the clergy. They were there. They were already plotting how to murder Jesus. It, it always gets me. These, these are the clergy. These are the guys who wore robes like I'm wearing, who were the, the teachers in the church. And they're there, and again, they, they want Jesus dead. Now, if you were there the original Palm Sunday, which crowd would you be part of? Would you be the, the fair-weather follower of Jesus? Would you be a devoted follower of Jesus? Or would you be among those who want Jesus murdered? Now, when I've asked myself that question, and I did this week quite a bit, um, where would I have stood the original Palm Sunday? I want to say, I really want to say that I would be one of the faithful followers of Jesus. Right? And I want to say, I would have given Jesus 110%. I'd probably be more supportive of Jesus than even his disciples were. I want to say that. However, I really wonder if that would have been true. I'm standing up here in a row. I'm part of clergy. Right? And, and there is peer pressure in, in every profession. There is peer pressure among the clergy to conform. Harvey says, you know, maybe I would have caved under that pressure to conform to the leaders at the temple and would have considered Jesus the enemy. Or maybe I would have been a fair weather follower. Great <laughs> right that day, Palm 
of every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. Very similar to the very end of Revelation, we have a very, very similar picture. Notice what, what Jesus, the Lamb, it's, it's interesting, he's the Lamb, but he's the shepherd. The Lamb is our shepherd. And, and what does he do? He wipes away every tear. Again, very similar to the, the, the closing chapters of, of the book of Revelation. Now, in understanding who this great multitude is, from every tribe, nation, and people, too large to count the number, go back to what Jesus said after he rose from the dead, before he ascended to heaven. He gathered the eleven, and he told them, Now you go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I taught you. And Jesus has started Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, every increasing portions of the world. The crowd in Revelation 7, who are they? They are the fruits of the labor of these disciples. They are the church. They are us. Now, we look at this multitude and the, uh, the angel, the elder, tells them that, that they came out of the great tribulation. Now, the Christians differ on this, the great tribulation. And some of our Christian friends who might be more of a reform background would say, no, that happens later, and then they read Revelation like it's chronological completely, that, it, that this follows this and follows this. The problem is, in Revelation, there are seven visions, and it's apocalyptic language. And there are clear portions of scripture that, that are, it's easier to go the clear portions of scripture through the less clear ones. And they say the great tribulation has not happened, that's in the future. But I would remind you of what Jesus said last week. Remember last week when, when Jesus gave an answer like another about the end times? Uh, did he describe the end times as everything goes great? Just the opposite. Jesus said that, that there are wars, rumors of war, increase in wickedness, love of hope and growth of hope, that there are famines and earthquakes in various places, many fall away, increase in wickedness, some of you are going to die, be persecuted, and then the end will come, right? I would call all of that tribulation. Uh, also, Jesus said to his disciples, in this world, you will face trouble, tribulation. Take heart and overcome the world. In the book of Acts, uh, I believe it's Paul, says this, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And, and Paul said 2,000 years ago, we're in the end times. So if Paul said it was true 2,000 years ago, how much truer is it today? The Great Tribulation, it's, it's Christians giving up their lives. Their lives coming to an end. And, and quite often, there is, it's much tribulation. We've been praying for, for a long time, Pastor James Oakville. He, he died last week of brain cancer. Tribulation. Right? Hardship. Quite often, that's the way it is for, for us in general, in, in this life, that, that, that we die in weakness. We die perhaps in old age, or perhaps it's an accidental death, whatever it might be, but it's tribulation. And 
What happens when a believer dies, Paul said that when you die, your body remains, but you are now present with the Lord. And Paul said, better by far to be absent from the body, to be dead, but to be present with the Lord. That's the scene here. These are people who are being added to the presence of the Lord, the church. Um, we go back to verse 14 of our text. It says this, I answer, sir, you know, and he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, it says that they have come out of. It's a present tense. These are they who are coming out of the great tribulation. And they're now entering the presence of God. I've entitled this message, Entrance Like Another. And up until this point, all these titles have been directly tied to Jesus. Question like another was Jesus' question. Answer like another, Jesus answered about the end times. And in my opinion, Entrance Like Another, it's Jesus entering Jerusalem on Sunday. Or Jesus on the last day, and the glory to his name. And if you're thinking that, you're partially correct. Entrance like that other, it's first of all, based on our text, it is our entrance into heaven. You know, many of you have had loved ones who have died recently. And if you think of it again, what they went through before their final days, Paul says that we're, we're sown in weakness, the Bible is buried again as, as one of weakness. And we know that when Christ returns, we'll be raised with a very strong, resurrected body similar to his. But a person who dies, a believer, that day becomes their, their best day of their life, their life so far. Better by far to be in the presence of Jesus. And then what John saw in this vision are, are, are people who are entering the, the throne of heaven being added to that number that nobody can count, who are now directly in the presence of their Lord. It really is an entrance like none other. And what, what a great day that would be. Now, after this vision, it's very comforting, we get into chapter 8 again. There's silence for half an hour. Can you imagine being in heaven and there's silence for half an hour? It's building up, right? And then what happens is, Seven angels, seven trumpets, the first trumpet blasts, and, and, and judgment is happening upon the earth. Now, God is very patient. He's patient with you. He's patient with the world. God wants everyone to come to a knowledge of truth and be saved. Extremely patient. But there is a time where God's patience runs out. That's it. When it comes to this world, it's judgment day. That's it. Now, how is it? How is it that when you die as a believer, you'll be able to enter the presence of God, seize the Lamb, have a palm branch in your hand? How is that possible? And the answer is because Jesus, the Son of God, has already faced the full judgment for your sins. Keep that in mind. Things will get very intense right before the end. Judgment day, very intense, extreme judgment upon the world. But you have to understand that Jesus has already undergone all of that judgment. 
on your behalf. My behalf. As we enter Holy Week, it's going to get very intense as we see Jesus go to the cross. The full wrath of God was placed on Jesus because my sins needed to be paid for. And they were in heaven. So the reason we can one day go to heaven and have palm branches in our hands, it's because salvation comes from our God. Salvation is because of Jesus Christ. His blood washes me clean. And that's the gospel. The good news of Jesus. Now, if you follow the rest of the book of Revelation, again, it gets very intense, and, and you see the, the final judgment. And then Jesus will gather all believers in front of him. And, and then we, we see, again, eternity beginning. And it, too, will be a great and glorious day. Thank you, praise God, today, again, that, that the Holy Spirit has brought you to understand what Jesus has done for you, and that you believe him through faith. Um, where would we have been original Palm Sunday? You know, it, it doesn't matter, because Jesus has paid for all of our sins. Going forward, by the grace of God, we can be part of this second Palm Sunday <coughs> by the grace of God, our branches in the presence of Jesus the Lamb, who was slain, who was risen from the dead, great and glorious. What a great day that will be. Amen. Now may the true peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Him. It's time now to gather our